I'm Dale Benwalt. And I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. This week, COVID cases are on the rise, as are concerns over the new Omicron variant of the virus. But Oklahoma could be behind in detecting Omicron because the state is dead last in sequencing for new variants. Reporter Dana Branham is back on the source with multiple developments on the pandemic front. New infections are starting to trend up in Oklahoma again. Dana, what do our case rates look like right now, and do we know why things are trending upward? Yeah, so our cases are heading back up right now. Um, I think our seven day average. Um, as of earlier this week, was about 1,200 new cases a day. Um, And that is a pretty significant jump up from where we were back in like early November. Um, But for context, when we were in the middle of our um, Delta surge in August and September, we were seeing maybe 2,800 cases a day. So we're still well below that. Um, Our hospitalizations are also rising. Um, As of our latest numbers, um, Oklahoma had over 600 people hospitalized across the state with COVID, um, and that is also a significant rise from where we were about a month ago. As far as why things are trending upward, um, there could be a number of factors. I I don't think we know exactly why right now, but um, health experts think that it has something to do with more people gathering um, this fall for Thanksgiving, Halloween. So we might be seeing some of the effects of that now. We are seeing mostly Delta variant cases still. I know we've heard about the new um, Omicron variant, but for now, Delta is still the predominant variant. So what we're seeing is kind of the uh, after effects of, of those gatherings. So as of the time we're recording this podcast, which to give a peek behind the curtain is a Wednesday, no cases of the Omicron variant have been detected in Oklahoma. But is it possible the variant is already here and we just haven't realized it yet? Yes, um, I would say it's likely that the variant is already here, but we just haven't detected it yet. Um, It is in a number of other states right now, um, I think including several of our neighbors. Um, And we've seen with the the Delta variant and just the way that this virus has spread in general that state borders aren't going to keep this virus out. So right um, kind of off the bat when we were first hearing about um, Omicron, uh, health experts and doctors were saying it probably already is here. Um, And the way that we detect um, variants like Omicron, Delta, any other variant is through um, genomic sequencing. And we're only sequencing a fraction of the positive tests that um, that come back in Oklahoma. So if you go get a COVID test, it can't tell you if you got Omicron variant or not. Um, and so it, we have to sequence to know that. And so it's possible it just hasn't been picked up through sequencing yet. What do we know about Omicron? Is it more contagious or more severe than what we've dealt with already? Yeah, I think we're still um, trying to find find out some of those questions. But from what I have read and, and heard from the experts that I, I talked to, um, I think we're hearing that it is likely more transmissible, um, even more transmissible than Delta, which we know was very transmissible, and that it may be better at 
getting around the protection that we get from vaccines. So they're still saying that vaccines are going to be effective against it, um, but maybe less so than some of the other variants that we've seen so far. As far as severity, I I have um, I know some some experts have said that maybe it looks to be a little bit more mild, but I think. Again, all of that's pretty preliminary, so that would be great if it turns out to be less severe, but I don't think we know all of that for certain yet. So Oklahoma is last in the nation in sequencing for new variants. Tell us what that means and why it matters. You've touched on this already, but to be dead last, that's eyebrow raising, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's something that... um, has come up a lot during when we were first learning about the Delta variant and other variants. Um, it, Oklahoma has been in the 50th spot for a long time. It's, um, it's not a new ranking. These are cumulative numbers. So when we hear that Oklahoma is last in um, sequencing for variants, Oklahoma is last in um, how many cases it has sequenced out of the total number of COVID cases that we've had during the course of the pandemic. So I think it's important to note that that is a cumulative number. A good portion of the sequencing that happens in Oklahoma is done at the public health lab um, in Stillwater. Um, There are other other labs and other sequencing efforts that contribute to that that surveillance, um, but that's where a good chunk of that happens. And that wasn't happening until probably March or April after the lab moved from um, Oklahoma City to Stillwater. After that move is when they gained the capacity to sequence for, for variants. So all of the um, all of the course of the pandemic before that, we were not sequencing. We didn't have that capability at the public health lab. So in some ways, uh, trying to understand why we are last in this measure um, certainly got a late start to it. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, Oklahoma also has had... Um, pretty high cases per capita compared to other states. I don't know off the top of my head where we rank on that, but other states um, of similar sizes and populations, um, some of them have seen significantly fewer cases. So when you're looking at how much we've sequenced out of how many cases we've had, that's another factor to think about. All of that to say, this sequencing is important to understand the kinds of variants that are circulating in our community. Um, for something like Omicron to tell us that it's here or not, where it's here, um, where it's spreading. Um, If you think back to when the Delta variant first popped up, um, it was important to know where that was spreading. And we saw it in the northeast part of the state first, and those hospitals were filling up super fast. And around that time was when health experts started telling us, okay, you've got to put your masks back on. You've got to, we've got to kind of go back to some of the things we were doing. And so knowing that it was here kind of informed the public health response. Um, And so not having done as much sequencing that, you know, can be a problem in, in determining where we go from here. Now, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the state lab because the, the lack of sequencing is only the beginning of the state's troubles with COVID tests. Uh, there was a federal investigation that found several issues with the new state public health lab in Stillwater. When did that investigation happen and what did the investigators find? The um, public health lab was under investigation by the Centers for Medicaid um, and Medicare Services. Um, 
And that investigation happened, um, it was an on-site investigation. So CMS um, officials showed up at the public health lab. That was back in September. We found out about the investigation um, through, first the, the Frontier reported that this uh, lab was under investigation. Um, the state health department acknowledged that back in November. Um, and the report about that investigation, um, I was just able to get a copy of that uh, earlier this month. So the investigators found um, several uh, issues with the lab. Um, I think some of the ones that kind of stood out to me when reading this, and it was a 38-page report, so there was a lot, <laughs> a lot going on, but a couple of things that stood out to me were there were problems with how COVID samples were stored, processed, um, documented. Um, so they found some issues where for example, COVID samples were in uh, kind of an entry part of the of the lab where anyone could sort of walk in and um, basically it was an area that was unsecured. And so they said that wasn't um, protecting patients' confidentiality. So um, that was one issue. Uh, there were other issues where um, COVID samples need to be processed within this 96 hour window of that's when those samples are stable. Samples also have to be kept at certain temperatures and in some cases those samples were not processed within that window or the temperature that they were kept at like during transportation was not documented. So those were some of the issues with the way COVID samples were handled. Um, and they also found that after the move, um, there was less staff in specifically the newborn screening department um, than there was before the move and that um, testing personnel were doing some clerical work that previously there had been clerical staff to support. So the CMS investigators said there's not enough staff to support the testing volume that's going on because the volume of testing hasn't changed. It's if anything, they, they have um, some more work to do now, um, so before the move and after. OSDH had to go through all of these um, issues that the CMS investigators found and um, had to explain how they have rectified each of those issues. So, um, it, for instance, with the newborn screening staffing, they have made a hire and I think they've got some positions um, planned to hire for. So they have said that they're in the process of rectifying those issues or in some cases have already been able to fix them. So this public health lab was originally based in Oklahoma City and then it was announced last year that it would move to Stillwater. I believe the nature of that move was described as abrupt and unexpected even to the people who worked at that lab who were unexpectedly told that they could continue their job if they move to another city. I just wonder how the rushed nature of that move maybe impacted some of these findings? Did, did the report really reflect any of that? The report didn't exactly get into all of that, but I think when you sort of read between the lines and you've read our previous coverage of how the how the move to Stillwater went with like the newborn screening um, personnel or the just the staffing issues, um, another one of our colleagues has reported before that about a third of employees at the lab either quit or um, retired or took other jobs within state government in between the move from Oklahoma City to Stillwater. So you can understand then why 
why there would be staffing troubles. At the time, um, I know that it was described as people felt blind, blindsided. So this was definitely a controversial move. And I think that's sort of kind of what's going on underneath the surface. When you're looking at this report, that's kind of what at least I'm keeping in mind when I'm when I'm writing about this. It was almost exactly a year ago that the first Oklahomans got the COVID-19 vaccine. Dana, one of your recent stories found 20% of new infections in the state last month were breakthrough cases of vaccinated people contracting COVID. What did health officials have to say about why that might be happening and how to address it? Yeah, I was really surprised when they shared that stat um, last week. Um, What they were saying is that, um, yeah, about one in five of every new cases last month um, were breakthrough cases. Um, They said the average number of days since um, a person's last vaccine dose to their positive test was 228, uh, which is like seven and a half months. Um, So those are people who would have been eligible for boosters um, that were not, didn't, didn't get a booster. Um, and so they were saying that, um, as they're seeing more breakthrough cases happen, especially in people who had been vaccinated, um, a good deal of time ago, they were using that as a, as a reason to say people should really be thinking about getting their boosters. Um, health officials have been talking, um, a lot about boosters lately, especially as it relates to the Omicron variant and, um, some early, indicators that that booster may be important for kind of preventing as many of those breakthrough cases as possible. So health officials were really sharing that stat to underscore why boosters are important. And um, currently boosters are recommended for everyone 16 and older who, um, who got either a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine at least six months ago or anyone who got the Johnson & Johnson shot at least two months ago. Um, If you had read about boosters a couple months ago, there were some like specific eligibility or who who it's recommended for. Um, And then when Omicron showed up, the CDC was actually like, it's recommended for everybody. Basically, if you fit in those, they're saying it's time to get it. Um, There's not eligibility rules to be thinking about. If you're 16 and older, they want you to get a booster. And I don't know that you've done any reporting on this, but I I do want to ask about the people who have some form of natural immunity because they've had COVID before. Um, I remember CDC guidance, at least previously, was your natural immunity if you've had COVID lasts for about three months, although there are some people who believe it (laughs) lasts a lot longer, perhaps erroneously believe that. Is there any understanding of how effective it is especially in the context of a new Omicron variant? You know, that's a good question. I don't know exactly in the context of Omicron. Um, I feel like I've read a little bit about reinfections happening more often with Omicron, but we've seen we've seen reinfections with Delta as well. Um, I think the, the message that I've heard a lot is that if you've had COVID, natural immunity is real. It just doesn't last forever. Um, but if you get vaccinated after having COVID, you're like supercharged, <laughs> like you have the best protection out there if you if you do get your vaccine and you unfortunately did get infected at some point. Um, I think talking about natural immunity um, was interesting. I was talking to in trying to figure out what our 
winter might look like with COVID. And now a lot of the predictions for that are kind of up in the air because we don't know what Omicron is going to do. But before we knew about that, um, it was interesting hearing about how Oklahoma is probably going to have a winter surge. And, and we're, I think, on our way to that, if not in the midst of that. Um, but our surge was not predicted to be quite as bad as other surges because we had such a rough time with Delta just a couple months ago. So there are a lot of people who have some recent immunity. But again, like as immunity from the vaccines is going to wane, immunity from a previous infection is also going to wane. So neither of those are going to make you golden forever. So that's why that they're really encouraging boosters or first vaccinations if you haven't gotten them. All right, well, Dana, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us a picture of what our COVID situation looks like right now. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back in 2022 for a new episode. 